You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Hello, friend. Today, you are just getting me, Lindsay, stepping up to the mic. This show idea is coming from an episode request from one of our listeners, Aspen Williams. And she gave me this idea in our Heart and Hustle Facebook group. So P.S., the link is in the show notes to join the community. It's a party. Like, you know, come hang, meet fellow entrepreneurs. And uh, it's kind of the place where you can give us our opinions or your opinions and feedback on guest requests, on solo show topics for the show and just all the things. It's basically where the party's happening. So come join. Now, onto the actual show today. If you didn't know, last month for the first half of November, my family and I took a trip to Spain for 10 days. And we had a blast and we had wanted to do a, an international trip for a while, uh, longer than a year, but specifically this year. Um, and I'm just so happy we were able to make it happen when we did. But since then, I've gotten a lot of questions about just the logistics of our trip, mostly about how we did it with kids, especially overseas and especially with multiple kids. So, That's what today's about. I'm going to get all into it in today's episode. And today you're going to hear me break down why we went, why we chose Spain, our itinerary, like kind of logistically where we went, what we did, how we traveled with little kids, tips I recommend when traveling with littles, and what I would change if I could go back and redo the trip over again. I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I'm going to try to make this like not a two-hour spiel, but you know, anyways, I don't have time to make it a two-hour spiel, guys. (laughs) But we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. And if you're a mama wanting to travel more with your family and children, this episode is for you. Or honestly, even if you're not a mom yet, but the idea of traveling with kids in the future just makes your heart sing and you want all the tips to prepare for when that happens. Uh, I got you. Let's dive on it. Let me guess. Right about now, you may feel a little defeated in the productivity department. No matter how hard you try, you just can't seem to cross anything off your to-do list. Your mind is moving a million miles per hour, but focusing on completing one little task feels impossible because of the endless day-to-day distractions. Hey, we are all in the same boat. There are so many distractions in entrepreneurship, let alone life itself. Being productive is an age-old struggle. Now, while it can feel hopeless at times, trying so hard to get everything done, there is hope. You can be more productive and find freedom and more time in your life and stop from spinning your wheels. I am here to tell you it is possible. We are here to help you, which is why Lindsay and I are sharing some of our favorite ways to boost your productivity and find freedom in your workday. Head to theheartuniversity.com forward slash productivity for a freebie on our favorite ways to better manage our time and actually end the day feeling good about what we accomplished. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. All right. Hello, friends. It is just me coming at you from the mic uh, in my office. (laughs) And we are going to get into why we went to Spain, what we did, all the things. Um, And so I'm just going to dive right on in. Basically, I want to kind of first go over why we went especially why we went when we did. So I will say that our Spain trip was kind of a last minute trip in a way. We really, we've wanted to go overseas or just international 
as a family, honestly, since Eloise was born. And when both children were born, both Annalise and Eloise, we got them passports immediately. Um, and then COVID hit and it, it just crushed all our dreams, basically of like going anywhere. And I, I want to say like the reason we wanted to travel with our children so young is me and Andrew love travel. That's a very normal Roman family thing, even before we had kids. Um, and so when we had kids, something that we wanted to start practicing was just that practice of travel and of giving our children experience and life uh, to different cultures, to different areas of the world. Just we don't want them to be in like a little American bubble, even when they're little. Um, and so family travel is just has been a very big, you know, family priority for us. And so hence, you know, getting them passports right when they've been born and then not being able to use them because of COVID. Uh, but this year in 2022, I took a sabbatical uh, in May and I did an episode on that back in the summer. You can go back and listen to that. But we really wanted to go international for that sabbatical. That was like literal dreams. Uh, we wanted to go to Ireland with Andrew's mom. She loves lighthouses and we just wanted to go, I don't know, May in Ireland sounded great. And we tried to so hard to make that happen. And the finances just like, it was very wishful thinking. We were just trying to like force it. And it, you know, when you're trying to force something and it just is not going to happen. And like, yeah, you could go into debt to make it happen, but that's not smart. And that just wasn't smart. And so we just at that time could not financially and wisely afford it. So we said no. And we went to Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas instead, which was a nice second choice. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> But anyways, we, we really still wanted to make an international trip happen this year. And so what we did was when we moved from Kansas to Florida and we sold our Kansas house, um, we made a, a pretty good profit on that house. And wisely, we wanted to take the majority of the money that we you know made in that house renovation and put it towards other future investments, whether that was real estate or other businesses or anything like that. But in doing that, we were like, okay, let's take just 10K aside. We might not even use 10K, but let's take 10K aside and do a family trip. Um, and if you don't know, I'm pregnant. You probably know if you listen to this, but you might not. I'm pregnant with our, our third baby um, and I'm due at the end of February. So as I'm recording this, I think I just entered the third trimester. So our window of like travel opportunity to anywhere was pretty uh, limited. Um, and so we moved to Florida in October and we were like, okay, let's look at the rest of the year. If we can make an international trip happen, when would that even be? And it ended up being around the beginning of November, which as a small business, like leading up to black Friday, that was, I just put a lot of pressure on my team to like do stuff without me. And I kind of worked a little bit while we were in Spain, but, um, that just was honestly the the only time that we could make it work. And so that's what we chose. And that's why we went. Um, and I want to, before I kind of move on to anything else, I kind of wanted to talk about the question of, well, why travel, especially somewhere that is more expensive, it's international, it's overseas when your children are so young, because they're not going to remember a lick of it, right? Um, and, and to that kind of concept and thought, I want to say, Obviously, like Annalise is a year old. She is 100% not going to remember a lick of Spain at all. She will look at the photos when she's 15 and be like, okay. <laughs> um, Eloise is three and a half. So I, my fingers are crossed that we made a core memory that she might remember. We'll see. But regardless of if they don't remember it, I will and Andrew will. And so um, one thing I want to say is we didn't want to 
I, I kind of mentioned this before, but we don't want to build a family where travel isn't a part of it. Um, or, or even waiting till they're like 10. And then all of a sudden we go, cause I really truly do think giving your children a lifestyle where they're ex, ex, uh, what's the word that I'm trying to think of. They're literally, what is the word guys <laughs> expand? No, that's not it. Exposed. Okay. They're exposed to different cultures at a young age. And they, I think they learn that just like that free spirited flexibility muscle early when you expose them and and put them in situations like traveling on the Metro in Madrid and like all these things that, yeah, maybe they won't remember it, but you start the practice of it now so that when they are 15 and we're going other places, that's not happening for the first time. And they're not being exposed to just different cultures and different, you know, how to travel, get on buses, get on metros, like all the things then. So yeah, they might not remember it. I will. And we're building a family culture that makes travel a priority and makes travel easy because what we've done it, you know, when we're, when they've been little. So I feel like it just, the more you do it, the easier it gets, even if they don't technically remember it. It's like muscle memory. That's how I'm viewing it. Uh, I think that's a healthy way to view it. But that, so that's kind of why we chose to go, obviously, even when they were super small. Okay. So let's go into why Spain, because there was a lot of varieties for this or uh, reasons for this. And so, like I mentioned in May, we wanted to go to Ireland. And so because we had chose November as like the time that we could go, we kind of looked again at Ireland and it was just cold, which isn't necessarily bad. Like we would go somewhere cold and embrace the cold. However, I think it was mostly the fact that most places that are cold have a sunset that's like 3 p.m. And that really just like chops your travel tour day in half, um, especially when the sun rises at like eight. And so you really, it's like, if you're going to spend money to go somewhere, you kind of want to maximize the day. And so we started looking, literally, we wanted to go to either Europe or South America. Um, and I I think I prioritized Europe a little bit more. Um, and so we started looking at those places and kind of Googling countries of like sunset and sunrise time, as well as temperature, as well as looking at flights that weren't like a million dollars. Well, or like a thousand per person. We were like, oh, especially with Eloise being a plane ticket now that she's over two. We were just like, where can we go? That's cheap. That's warm. That has like a, like a five thirty six PM sunset. Like, yes, that's the priorities. Um, and Spain kind of ended up being an answer for all of those things. And, uh, it was warm. I would say, obviously we could have went like more South, like to Greece or Israel or something, but that's where the plane tickets started getting like way more expensive. So we chose Spain and we also chose Spain because it was very, very family friendly. The more that I researched into Spain, the culture, like how, I don't know, the different countries are different, you know, depending on like, is fam- like is bringing your two children to a restaurant normal in, in a certain country. And and all the blog posts that I read, Spain was like very family friendly. And it was just like, yeah, that's not an unusual thing um, to bring your family everywhere. However, I will say having gone, it was very family friendly, but I like barely saw any other kids. Like truly anytime we went to a restaurant, we were the only family there, which no, that's not true. I saw a couple, but whatever. It was family friendly. Anyways, um, I will also say I loved Spain for family travel specifically because the, the routine of like a normal Spanish day is very different than in the U S they, they wake up later. Well, maybe if you have work, you probably don't wake up later, but basically it's normal to go to breakfast at like 10 and then 
have lunch at like 2 p.m. And then have like what is called like the afternoon siesta where like shops shut down, you go nap. And it worked really well with like our kids' actual afternoon nap, which at home normally is we put them down around like 1 p.m. And so we just kind of like pushed everything later. And I'll get into like the logistics of how we kind of adjusted to the time zone change and everything like that. But we would like go out, have breakfast, and then go do like the touring thing of the day and then have lunch at like 2 p.m., come back to the Airbnb, put them down for their nap at like 3 or 4, and then um, dinners in Spain, especially at restaurants, are very, very late. Like most restaurants don't even open for dinner until 8 or 9, mostly like 8. 8 is probably like the, the time that they open, which at home, <laughs> like in our daily life, their bedtime is 7 p.m. So I was like, okay, we're going to have to adjust. <laughs> um, but we slowly kind of got on that like later time. And so normally at home, we'd put them to bed at one. So we started putting them to bed in Spain at like four. Um, and then they would wake up after their nap at like six, seven-ish. Um, and then we would go out for the night. So it was obviously a much later night, but it worked really well with the Spanish culture. And so very family-friendly in that regard, just because that afternoon siesta really works well with having like them nap. All right. So that's kind of why we chose Spain. Let's get into our itinerary because um, if you you might have followed me on Instagram while this happened, but regardless of if you didn't, this is what we did. If you're even if you like are not a mom, don't have kids, and you're just like, I want to go to Spain. Where'd you go? Um, we flew into Madrid, and I had actually been to Spain before when I studied abroad in England. Uh, we went to Barcelona for like four days. So I Barcelona was the only place I had been before, um, and I loved it. But we, we tried to decide. Do we want to go back to Barcelona or do we want to try different places? Um, and we, Madrid was a cheaper flight to fly into. And we were like, well, let's just explore some place new. So we flew into Madrid, spent like, I think three full days there or four, I think three. Um, and then we went to Granada. Um, and the main reason we went to Granada are a couple of friends had visited there or visited Spain and highly recommend Granada because of the Alhambra which I'll get into. It's freaking gorgeous. It was like like a fortress castle built in like the 1200s. It's very old, but very, very rich and beautiful and just like so ornate. Um, and so we really wanted to see the Alhambra. And the area of Granada is just so, so beautiful. So that was definitely on our list. And then for the last stop, we wanted to go to three places. So Madrid, Granada, and then we were trying to figure out a third place. And I was like looking all over, researching, and because it was semi-warm, it was like 60, 65 degrees, uh, sometimes a little bit warmer if we went more south. We were like, okay, let's go someplace where there's the ocean. Um, even though it's November and we knew we couldn't swim, we were like, let's go to the ocean. So Andrew found this little town called Alicante. It's this like cute little seaside beach town. And truly, it would be like absolutely magical, like the perfect vacation in the summer because the water, like the beach was absolute perfection. Like you could walk out into it and it's still shallow for like a couple yards. Like it's, it's, I don't know if yards is the right, you get it. It was just like absolute perfection. But obviously when we went, it's like kind of like not the most perfect weather, which obviously you're going to have to deal with that, you know, with traveling in November anyway. But, um, we chose Alicante mainly because it, you know, it was on the ocean. We wanted to kind of get that like Mediterranean feel uh, of the Spanish culture, but also there was like, like a fun castle nearby as well as a island about like an hour boat right away. Um, and so before we like booked 
and said, okay, we're going to choose an Airbnb in Alicante. That's going to be our third destination. Andrew like briefly looked at like tours to this island and was like, oh yeah, we, we can do that. But we didn't book it in advance. And so we we booked Alicante and those were the three places that we went. Um, we went for 10 days total. And when I was researching, kind of like just traveling your to Spain with your family, I, I just read multiple places that had recommended don't try to do too much. Like don't try to see like five different towns in Spain, like really truly dig in and get to the meat of like the towns that you are going to. So that's why we only chose three. Um, and I even would maybe cut that, but I'll get to, well, I would change kind of near the end of this episode. Um, but yeah, so we went for 10 days and we saw three different cities, Madrid, Granada, and Alicante. All right. So let's get into like the meat and potatoes of this episode. How did we do it with kids? Like how did we do it? Okay. So let's talk about first the flight, the flight. Okay. So obviously we live in Florida, so we were East coast, uh, time zone. And so we're going, you know, like, I think it was six hours ahead to Madrid. And I will say just like backing up our kids are incredible sleepers. They can fall asleep in their crib. Like, boom, like we've slept trained or we've trained them to sleep very well since they were kids or they are kids since they were babies. And so like, literally they're, they're very trained. They both sleep 12 hours. They both go down for a nap in the middle of the day. Anna has two naps, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And Anna specifically, like you, 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 you put her in your crib or in her crib and she just goes to sleep. So that's like a very great blessing. But I was kind of nervous about her being so well crib trained to sleep when we're dealing with a, a red eye flight. Cause she, the one thing that she doesn't do with being so well, like crib trained is she doesn't just like fall asleep on us ever. Like if we're holding her, she's like awake. She's like, Oh, we're ready to party. Like there's no cuddling of, and that's that, that kind of has to do with how we like slept train her and that. But so I was very nervous. I was like, okay, how is she going to fall asleep? Like in our arms on a red eye, how is that going to work? And so we basically did the flight and I think it was from Orlando to Philadelphia and then Philadelphia to Madrid. And so obviously Orlando to Philadelphia was just like, you know, whatever. But then Philadelphia to Madrid is like the big red eye. And I think it was like a six hour flight. So basically once we boarded, we tried to get them to go immediately to sleep. And I I remember I, I brought uh, a couple of monastery like toys, but honestly, like, I feel like those were a little bit more helpful on the, on the plane ride back than the plane ride there, because the plane ride there, like it's nighttime, you need to be sleeping and all of us need to be sleeping. But our priority was getting the children to sleep. And I think you kind of, in order to do that, you almost sacrifice sleep yourself. But honestly, even if you don't have kids, I feel like a red eye is so hard to sleep on anyway, that like, you're just not getting sleep probably. And if you are, you're not getting good sleep then anyways. So literally we had, Eloise had her own seat. And so we put her in the window seat and, uh, basically we like gave her the blanket, gave her the little pillow and Andrew like told her, Hey, like night, night. And we did as close to like our bedtime routine as possible. Like we prayed for her. Um, and like, we like tucked her in quote unquote, like I'm doing air quotes. You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes of like tucked her in. And basically Andrew was like, Hey, now go to bed. And we, obviously there's only so much you can do. Like if the pilot is making announcements and like the lights are on. However, I feel like for overnight red-eye flights, especially to Europe, once you're in the air, I feel like they turn off the lights pretty quickly. Like, I think they may, might like go go and do like the 
the dinner service and like deliver your food to you. But then I think they like quickly try to establish the fact that like it's evening. Um, so that really helped in putting Eloise to sleep. Eloise slept the entire flight, which God bless because she had flown a lot when she was little, but this was the first time that she flew where she's like old enough to like talk and cognitively developed to like see things and like, you know, talk about them. Right. I remember, hold on. I, (laughs) I have to pull this up because, uh, it was hysterical. She, on the flight from, obviously on the flight from Philadelphia to Madrid, she's sleeping, but on the flight from Orlando to Philadelphia, again, like she flew a ton when she was a baby, but like, she can't remember that or talk. And now that she's three and a half, she's old enough. And we had it flown with her for like since 2020. So it had been like a year and a half. And so I just have to read to you. I shared this on my Instagram, but this is so funny. Uh, I like started recording, uh, what like her like what she said like quotes that she said from that first flight from Orlando to Philadelphia because she was like experiencing it all kind of for the first time even though it wasn't really the first time but literally just listen to this she goes well we're real high in the sky and I can't see the cars <laughs> and then I'm just like literally like transcribing her like thought processes as she's like watching the window like as the plane goes up she goes I'm really happy there's windows <laughs> And then she starts singing, in the sky, in the sky, you know? <laughs> and then she goes, are we going down? And she asks that during the takeoff. And then she goes, why are we so high? <laughs> uh, and then she starts pointing to the clouds and she goes, can we touch them? Referring to the clouds, which is just like so pure and cute. Uh, and then my favorite, she goes, who's driving? <laughs> so I got to explain like pilots to her. And then she goes, I'm really happy we're in the sky because I'm really happy. (laughs) Three-year-old logic. Uh, And then my favorite, my favorite is like maybe like 10 minutes into the air. She finally discovers the like booklet, like the safety pamphlet that's in the seat in front of you. And she takes out like this flight safety booklet and she goes, oh, there's pictures. You could have told me. (laughs) I love her so much. Uh, Anyway, so she was a hoot and a half on that first flight. But then, yeah, that second flight, she went right to sleep. So she was the perfect child. Let's go to Anna now. Again, this was like, we were just, we were like, how do you put a kid to sleep on a plane? And there there was some crying definitely, but basically Andrew, Andrew's like the baby whisperer. So he's like really like, I feel like most moms are the people that are like, handling their children on flights. Like, no, I am just sitting here. Like I'm useless. I'm not useless, but like Andrew is like master uh, dad. And so he was holding Anna and like kind of rocking her and cuddling her and kind of a little bit constraining her to like fall asleep and just like continually like shushing her and just being like, Hey, go to sleep, go to sleep. And like slowly, like gently pushing her head, you know, like to lean on his chest. And eventually that worked. But I will say there was like a a good, probably like 30 to 40 minutes of kind of crying. And like, when you're on a plane, you just, especially when it's like, you just, you, you just have to deal with it. Like I feel like so many people are afraid to travel with their kids because of like this moment, right. Of, of screaming in a plane. And it, to be fair, I like, it's not like she cried the entire time. So I'm not speaking from like a really, really, really awful example, which I know that there's moms out there that have like awful examples or experiences of their children on planes. But in my experience of, of both kids flying when they're, they've been babies, like it's, it's not that bad. Like, yes, it's not the most fun. Yes. They're screaming. Yes. You might get some looks. Um, but most people I feel like have grace in that situation and they understand. 
And I think you just, you do the best you can. And so, uh, once she got to sleep, she just like, like Andrew, like we kind of laid her on his lap. And the, the part that sucks is like, you just kind of have to stay still, especially for Anna. She didn't really move a lot or sorry. She, she would wake up if you moved a lot. So Andrew, like his legs were falling asleep. Like he had to like stay so still, but it worked. Um, although she did wake up probably like an hour after she fell asleep from, you know, the beginning of the flight. And he basically had to do the process over again of putting her to sleep. But you know what? You do it. You do it. And something that we did with Eloise that worked with Eloise did not really work with Anna was um, when she was a baby, Andrew would bring the carrier because sometimes I feel like they fall asleep better if they're in a carrier than if you're just holding them. But I mean, that might just be for our children. I don't know. Like baby to baby, I feel like it's so different. But Eloise would fall asleep easier in our arms than Anna does. And so when Eloise was a baby and we were on flights, Andrew or me would walk up and down the the aisles or go to like the area where the exit seat is or yeah, the emergency exit seat is or like where the bathrooms are or in the back where there's just a little bit more space and basically like get them to sleep in the carrier in his arms and then come back to the seat when they're asleep. So that, that helped has helped too, but obviously that did not work for Anna. So it was just screaming, but she slept most of the flight, I will say. And so they're like absolute champs. So that was the flight. <laughs> and I will say like, I feel like, especially when you're going forward in time and you're doing a red eye that first day, kid, like pretend you don't have kids, like kids aside that first day sucks. It sucks. Like while we were in Madrid, a few days later, we were at a museum and we saw this family with two children that were, they were just sitting in <laughs> on a bench in the museum. And like both parents were like nodding off while holding, like everyone was like kind of sleeping. And I literally looked at them and I was like, they just got off a red eye and they're just wasting time at a, at a, at a, a museum waiting for their Airbnb or hotel to like let them in like a hundred percent. I was like, I know that look, that's exactly what's happening. And then we saw, we ran into them later at a chocolate intro shop. And that's exactly what <laughs> we, we asked them. And that's exactly what it, there's just a look. I feel like when you know somebody has just done a red eye, especially with kids, and there there's that like awkward time gap where you're waiting for your Airbnb to let you in and they don't do early check-in. It's that's just there's a look and it's awful. But you do what you got to do. So anyways, so once we landed in Madrid, me and Andrew and Alice. Alice uh, is Andrew's mom. She came with us for the whole trip, which I'll get into that in a little bit, but that was that was so much fun to bring her along. But we put our luggage once we got from the airport into like downtown Madrid, kind of near where our Airbnb was. We put our lock or our luggage in lockers that was recommended by where like close to the Airbnb. And then we're in that situation, right? Where you just have to waste time until you get into your Airbnb. And that's just like, honestly, the hardest part is you're jet lagged. You got basically no sleep and you're just trying to push through. So we walked around, we sat down in a cafe, had our first meal there and uh, it's pretty, I feel like we landed at 9am and we didn't get let into our Airbnb until three. So really it's just a, it's just, you're just trying to do the best you can. And I feel like our kids did so, so well, mainly because they slept more than we did, <laughs> but you know, you do what you got to do. Um, so I would just say like we pushed through and then when we did get into our Airbnb at three, we all took a nap. I don't think Andrew took a nap because I think his personal strategy was just to stay awake the entire time. So he would be on schedule, but I'm pregnant and hormonal. And I was like, I'm napping with the children. <laughs> um, so we all went down for a nap basically at three when we first got into the Airbnb. And I think this is the trick guys. If you're dealing with jet lag, 
wake yourself up because if you do not wake yourself up, you will sleep. Like if you don't intentionally wake up, you will sleep from the time that you go to a nap until and then you'll wake up at like 11 p.m. and think it's 7 a.m. Like you'll be all messed up. So our secret was to wake everyone up intentionally at like seven or maybe it was six. I don't even know. And actually physically go out to dinner, which is hard because you don't want to do that. Like your body's just like, what are we doing? And so we went out to dinner that first night. And then that first like full evening in a bed in Spain, we slept as long as possible. Like we let everybody sleep as long as possible. And I think everyone naturally woke up around like 10 a.m., which we were like, great, that's fantastic. Especially kind of getting onto that later relaxed Spanish time. It worked out great. Hey, hey, if you are new here and haven't heard about our online resource shop, ooh, listen up. The Heart Shop is a digital resource and template shop for creative entrepreneurs and photographers. There are so many goodies for creative entrepreneurs in the shop, like website templates, PDF guide templates, illustrations to enhance your brand, and lots more. But one thing in particular we made sure to add was contract templates. Y'all, the horror stories we have heard in our years of business is unmatched and a little terrifying. (laughs) Clients refusing to pay after you've delivered a service, clients demanding their retainer back after canceling on you last minute. The list goes on. Business shouldn't feel like you're walking on eggshells though. And yet that's how most of us feel when we first start our business. We're petrified to make a wrong move or have an unhappy client. Okay. But here's the truth. One of the first foundational steps of owning your own business should be protecting yourself legally with contracts. Yes, yes, even for friends and family. Contracts allowed us to walk in confidence as we grew our photography businesses. But also hiring a lawyer to create custom contracts for you is a pain in the butt and the wallet. And grabbing whatever free or cheap template online is often not enough protection. Yes. So we wanted to make this as easy and seamless for you as possible and give you the resources to make sure you have your butt protected. We have partnered with our favorite lawyer and attorney, Paige, from the legal page. She has not only created powerful contract templates, but her team is so present and ready to help figure out which ones you need for your business. You can stack our contracts in our shop like the wedding photography contract, destination intimate wedding contract, cancellation and rescheduling bundle, second shooter and associate contracts, and honestly, so much more. Just head to theheartcontracts.com for 10% off. That's theheartcontracts.com. Hello, I wanted to interrupt this episode really quick to remind you that we have an apparel shop with heart-filled pieces. (laughs) See what we did there? (laughs) That we have designed with you in mind. In the shop, we've got t-shirts, crop tops, sweatshirts, mugs, hats, and more all created with comfy and cute designs that you can rock in your everyday life. This collection is for you if you love the show and want to share it with your friends in a cool way, or if you want to wear something cute as heck that was intentionally designed with powerful phrases to remind you that you can do it. You were made to be a world changer and that the Lord created you wildly capable of big freaking things. Now, Obvi, this is a podcast and we can't show you how cute as heck these pieces are on the show. So run, don't walk to the heart shop to check out our apparel and more. You can head to www.theheartuniversity.com forward slash apparel to grab your favorite pieces today. So that's flights. That's what we did for the flight there. The flight back was in the daytime. So there wasn't really any like sleeping. I mean, there was a naps, but mainly we just shoved snacks in their face <laughs> and, uh, the, the toy, like the Montessori toys, um, which I can have, uh, the, the ones that we got for the flight specifically linked in the show notes, just because 
Um, we got like a book. It's like a fabric book where each page had a different kind of like uh, activity. Activity is maybe not the word, but like a sensory thing. Like there was gears on one page or there's snaps on another or there's like a zipper on another page or... Um, there's Velcro on another page or there's like a fake shoe where you can tie the laces. So it's like kind of like things to actively keep them engaged um, in each on each page. I also will say something that maybe I should mention is if you followed our family at all, you might know this. If you don't, th- this might be new, but we try to be as screen free as possible for our children. So like if Andrew and I ever want to watch TV or a movie, we usually do that on our, on our computers. We don't own a TV in our home at all. We've never given our children iPads or phones. Like they're naturally gravitated to my phone. I feel like, uh, and I just try to make that boundary very clear of like, Hey, this is a work tool and mommy work, uses it for work and you do not work. Therefore you do. It's not a toy, um, to play with. And so, um, they, they basically have never, like we're, we're not the family that goes out to eat and like puts an iPad, like to keep, keep them company. Um, we we've tried ever since they've been born to just facilitate like, Hey, you're a part of the family. You're going to converse with us or you're going to play with a straw or play with a crown that they give you or whatever. And so what's funny is on the flights to Spain, Eloise didn't even realize that there's a screen there that you could technically watch TV on. However, on the buses, we, we use bus transportation from each of the three cities that we went to just because I think there was like a strike on the train system in Spain when we were there and the, the travel times for trains were expensive and not very frequent. And so we just had to kind of resort to buses. But on the buses, she realized that there were uh, like movies or TV shows on the back of on the back of the seats. And so then she like started watching them. And I would, at that point I was like, whatever, like, I'm not going to be like, yeah, okay, fine. Watch Paw Patrol, whatever. And there was no sound. So I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but normally we don't give them screens. Um, but on the, on the flight back, she then realized that screens were a thing on the flight and watched it a little bit, but we still like gave them snacks, gave them toys. Um, and then they napped a little bit. So that's how the flights went. Something that we did intentionally for this trip and and also why we kind of chose Europe a little bit is we didn't want a rental car. Obviously, depending on where you're going in the world, if it's big cities, like you can usually rely on public transportation. And that's what we did mainly because we didn't want to deal with bringing a car seat or car seats for them across. Like, I don't know, especially when you start traveling with children, like we intentionally wanted to pack light. So we didn't bring a car seat and we didn't bring a pack and play for Anna. And Eloise can just sleep in, in any bed. Um, and so Anna at home like sleeps in her own crib. So we booked Airbnbs intentionally that only had cribs, like requested cribs in Airbnbs that like said that they offered them. And so we were able to go there with no car seats and no pack and play, which significantly lightens your load as you're traveling with like all the suitcases. Um, so that was really helpful. But because we didn't bring a car seat and didn't rent a car, um, I think we researched in Spanish rule was that you can ride in Ubers, taxis, and buses without a car seat um, for children. So that's kind of where we were like, okay, well, and trains, but I don't I don't think you need to put car seats on trains anyway. Um, anyways, so that's what we did. But because we did that, we that kind of forced our trip to be a little bit more city-focused. Because, you know, at home, we're very much like, oh, let's go to a national park. Let's go hiking. Let's go into the mountains. And that's very hard logistically, I think, to do without a car. 
because it's it's not like you're going to take the metro to like a national park in Spain, right? And and you could maybe get a bus to go somewhere, but it's just it's just not the same level of freedom um, as if you would have a car. Um, so that's kind of like the intention that we had of just like, hey, we're just going to go and we're going to explore cities and we're going to explore the culture and we're just going to know that this isn't a trip that's going to be like a national park exploration day, which is fine. So let me think. We the next thing we brought a stroller, but in our thought process was like, oh well, we're going to be walking like a lot. We don't want to carry Anna everywhere. But I will say we brought our Bob stroller, which is ginormous. Um, <laughs> and the thought process was it's a running stroller and it has huge tires. So our thought process was, oh, it could be really great for, you know, the cobblestone roads, which yes, it was. However, we just didn't think about like how tiny the roads, like it's like people and cars are supposed to walk and, and drive on like, a barely one lane road, um, plus all the stairs. We just didn't think logistically about that part. And I feel like most days, unless it was a travel day, Andrew just like carried Anna in the carrier. Um, he literally did all the heavy lifting cause I'm pregnant and I was just, I'm already carrying so much guys. <laughs> um, so most days, like when we went out for like the day's excursion, he would just carry Anna in the carrier and that worked so much better. So honestly, like one of the things we might change in the future if we went somewhere very similar to Spain was not bringing a stroller at all, which almost like kind of makes me nervous, but like genuinely we barely used it other than in the airport, obviously in the airport and on travel days, it was very nice uh, just to have her in there and not to have, have to carry her, especially when you're carrying and dragging suitcases. But on the normal days, we literally did not use it and it was so cumbersome and big because it's just like ginormous and then like storing it and then trying to get it out and go up and down stairs was a hassle. So we didn't use it. And we brought a carrier, which carriers lifesaver. Like I would bring that to every single international trip. The one thing I will say that we do in our family culture wise is from the time that Eloise could walk, we have encouraged her to walk. Like we don't, uh, I'm trying to think of like how to say this we don't like just like pick her up and carry her every single time that she is tired. Um, not obviously like if she literally is like exhausted and can't walk, yes, we'll pick her up. But we wanted to help train her and encourage her to like, Hey, walk. Like you are a young little girl that is energetic. You can walk. And so I'm actually very proud of this, but not once the entire time we were in Spain, did Eloise ever ask to be picked up to get in the stroller. Like she literally did not like she just walked. Like, honestly, I complained as a pregnant hormonal woman more than she ever did, uh, which kudos to her. Like girlfriend has so much funk and so much energy, but I, I think she didn't realize that because like, that's not ever been an option to ask to be carried or asked to like sit in the stroller. We only have a one seater stroller and it was for Anna. And so that, that wasn't an option, but I think that that was easy in Spain because of how we've kind of like parented her, you know, in normal life. Like it's not a normal thing for her to like be lazy and sit in a stroller. Not that sitting in a stroller is lazy, but just we've tried to help her um, get used to walking, especially kind of with the mindset that we love hiking and we love going to national parks. Like I think, I'm trying to think, when Andrew and I first got engaged, we went to Colorado and I'll never forget, like we were on a hike and we passed this like family of like, just watching like the kids, like that were literally like five years old, just drag and like complain and like be held. 
And I was like, I don't know what we got to do to parent in a way that is not that, but like, let's make intentional choices so that our kids don't end up like that. And then the hindsight, I feel like all my examples are Colorado, but we also went on a trip to Colorado when Eloise was still little, like maybe a year old. And and we hiked like a seven miler uh, and Andrew, you know, put her in the carrier the whole time. And I remember getting to the top of that hike, like there was lakes, like Alpine lakes. And we saw a family and there were like a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, and they were all like walking, hiking, and just like, they were being like, you know, an adventurous family. And I just looked at that and I was like, okay, that's the goal. Like I, I want kids that don't complain. And obviously like kids are going to complain, but it's, you know, it's, I think the culture and how you raise them to, you know, not be, not have the attitude that that's an excuse or that's an idea that they can just like complain enough or throw a tantrum enough. And then you'll hold them. Like if, if you, if holding them is not an option, they're not going to like complain and they're going to be, you know, fun to be with and all that. So, uh, yes, brought a carrier, all the things. The one thing I would highly recommend if you're traveling with kids, we did this and it really worked well, well with the Spanish culture, like I mentioned, but we tried to give them a crib nap every single day. And on travel days with the buses, that obviously wasn't uh, able to happen because the bus, you know, they, they go in the middle of the day. But with the normal, like, routine of our days, you know, like I said, we woke up, we went to go get breakfast, and then we went out and did, like, the activity of the day, whether it was, like, visiting the Alhambra or visiting a castle or just walking around and eating and seeing the town or shopping. And then we would come back or we would have lunch we rarely had lunch, I, I feel like, out in a restaurant. We either would like go to a market or just get something and bring it back to the Airbnb or get something light or like grab an empanada from a shop and bring it back. But uh, And then we would put them down for a nap around, I think, three-ish. And that was like their crib nap for the day. And Eloise and Anna like both have afternoon naps. And Anna has two naps a day, but her first nap, she just kind of like lightly napped in her carrier um, as she was being carried. So that worked really well. But I think if you can give your kids one crib nap a day, that helps, I think their energy and their stamina so much in just having fun and making it like a routine when you're not home. Um, and yes, it does like cut up your day in the sense of like, you can't go all day, you know, somewhere, but I think, I, I don't know if you would want to like kids can like get like antsy just being gone that long and out that long. Um, unless you have kids that are like so good at just napping anywhere. Our kids are just not that uh, flexible. <laughs> um, there's good and bad trade-offs. I feel like with that, but it was, it was so helpful to have like one crib nap a day and then like kind of go out for the evening as well. So that really helped us, um, in, in general. So, okay. Kind of wrapping up this, what would I change? There, there's a lot that I want to talk about here. So the first thing that I would probably change is we visited three places. We visited Madrid, Granada, and Alicante, like I said. And the main reason we even chose Alicante was because uh, there was that island uh, like a like an hour away, um, and it had a lighthouse on it. And Alice, Andrew's mom, who came with us, really loves lighthouses. And so we wanted to try to visit a lighthouse in Spain and that was just like the one that logistically kind of made the most sense on the ocean. However, I will, I will say the thing that I would change is I think we should have done more research beforehand because it was a semi-last minute trip. <laughs> we, we didn't do as much research as we could, which I think is, it can be good and bad. Like, 
it's, I think it's good to have a go with the flow attitude, a free spirited lifestyle where you're just like, you're kind of like going with the flow and it's okay. You don't have like a rigid itinerary, especially with kids. You don't want to like over book the entire trip so much and and pack it so full that you don't have time to explore. You don't have time to just be and and relax and explore the culture. Um, so I, I do think that that was good, but I almost think we like did that too much and like, didn't almost do enough excursions. But basically we wanted to go to this, this, uh, Island and the brief, uh, research that Andrew did beforehand was that I think he, he saw that, oh, okay, we can either go on like a Monday or a Wednesday, like the boat, the boats that take you from Alicante to that Island go on Monday and and Wednesday. And when we got to Alicante, the Tuesday, (laughs) guys, this is first world problems. Like, so I'm cringing just sharing this, but (laughs) on Tuesday, that was the day that, uh, the Taylor Swift era's tour tickets went on sale. So I (laughs) I remember I'm pregnant. Give me grace here. But I was just like, Andrew, like we can go out and do stuff in the morning, but like 10 a.m. Eastern, which is 3 p.m. Madrid, no, 4 p.m. Madrid time. I was like, I have to be in the Airbnb. I'd be locked and loaded. Like I cannot be on an island in the middle of the Mediterranean. Like, no, I'm sorry. I gotta be, I gotta be locked and loaded. T-Swift is waiting. <laughs> um, and so that day we visited like the castle in Alicante in the morning. And then... I was able to like get locked and loaded uh, at the Airbnb that evening or well, late afternoon while the kids nap. So actually that worked really well. But because we waited until Wednesday, we didn't book those tickets in advance to the island. So Wednesday morning, Andrew's trying to book the tickets and he realized that the, they didn't update the website and the only days in off season since it's November that they do the boat ride from Alicante to the island was Tuesdays and Thursdays. So like it's Wednesday and we're leaving on Thursday. So it it was already too late to do that boat ride. And we would have had to do it on Tuesday. And I couldn't do that in theory because of the Taylor's situation. All that to say, I would, I would go back and I would research a little bit harder because I think, I don't think we would have gone to Alicante at all had we not been able to go to the island, which is what happened. Like basically we went to Alicante, which was a, such a beautiful town. And I think it would be more prime in the summer when you can actually swim. Um, but basically we just like walked around and shopped and saw a castle, which was great. It was still so much fun. Um, but just, you know, hindsight's 2020. And I think a little bit more research in advance would be better. So what I would change is I think I would go to Madrid and Granada only. And what I would probably have done, Granada's really close to the Sierra Nevadas. So I would have done Granada and saw the Alhambra, which we did. And then I, I think I would have tried to maybe rent a car like for a day or two and then like try to go do something in the Sierra Nevadas so that we could get that experience. Cause like, I've just seen pictures and they're absolutely gorgeous, but because we didn't have a car seat and we didn't rent a car, all these things, uh, we, we just weren't able to do that part of it. So that's probably what I would change if I had to go back. Um, the other thing I would change is I would uh, think about ex like your expectations before a trip. And this just applies to anybody, not even just moms or traveling with kids, like literally anybody, if you're going on a trip, talk through with your spouse or your partner, uh, expectations that you have, or think about them just beforehand. Because what I did is I did not think at all about like what I wanted or expectations. And I didn't communicate them because I didn't even know I had expectations until we're there. And, and I think there's this dichotomy of 
you've spent so much money to get across the ocean, to go somewhere international, right? And there's this pressure to do absolutely everything under the sun so that you don't waste the money that you spent to get there, right? I feel like everyone that goes to Europe probably feels this way of like, okay, I went across the ocean. Now I have to like do everything and make the most of every moment. But when you do that with children, you're going to burn everyone out. But on the flip side, there's this, I feel like I mentioned this earlier. We didn't do a ton of excursions. And I think I felt like we're not doing enough. And then there was this other like, tension of, oh, I'm not documenting it and it doesn't look beautiful. Therefore, I'm not having the Instagram worthy picture perfect family vacation to Spain and Europe that I've always wanted, right? Which is stupid. But like, I think that that's a reality that, you know, millennial women, millennial moms in 2022 got to like really get down to the heart with. And I think there's a, there's trips where you can unplug and you can not be on the internet, not story it, not do anything like that. And really, truly like thrive as a family. And then there's other trips where it's like a, it's a photo shoot and you, and you make the trip that, and I don't know if one is better than the other, maybe, you know, depending on how you're viewing it. But I think it's very hard to try to do both of those things to really be a, have like a truly unplugged family vacation that you're connecting and you're really, you know, having enriching conversation or you're trying to take beautiful photos where everyone's dressed beautifully in like the most beautiful places, right? It's very hard to do both of those things at the same time. And I I don't think I realized I had expectations to like do the photos until I was there and I was in beautiful locations. And then my artsy like photographer heart was like, oh, the sun is like setting on this castle. Andrew, we have to take a photo. And so that, that I just would, before any trip, in hindsight, I would have like a sit down conversation with Andrew and really talk through like, Hey, what is every day going to look like? Let's talk about our expectations. I think that's so healthy. And that's just like something that we learned the hard way. I will share this story. Uh, it's vulnerable. It was probably like the, the worst moment of the trip, but also like the biggest learning lesson. It was when we got to Granada that first night and we were going out to dinner, the sun was setting and Granada was by far, in my opinion, the most beautiful location that we went to in Spain. It was, it's like all the quintessential Europe, cobblestone, skinny little walkways, like with cobblestone stairs. Um, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. And then you're looking at the Alhambra. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful. And so like the sun setting and I just like my art artist heart is like, I want to take photos all over. Um, and so I like had Anna, Eloise, Alice and Andrew like pose on like a cobblestone bridge with the sun setting. And I took a film photo and I was like, oh, beautiful. And then we had dinner. And that night, as we're kind of like talking about the day before we go to bed, Andrew was like, what's your favorite part of today? And I said, it was just, it was that moment when I got to take a photo, like literally like of the entire thing. It was just like, I just loved like creating art and like capturing memories of our family. Like that made me so happy. And he was like, wow. He was like, okay, I will, I'm going to really try to prioritize that for you more on this trip, like giving you space to create moments like that. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. So, okay. (laughs) That's in the evening. So the next day is the day that we were going to the Alhambra, which is the freaking palace of all palaces in Spain. It's like the top thing that you see when you go to Spain. Well, at least that's what the blogs say. Um, anyways, so we just were ill-prepared. We were very ill-prepared again, going back to like research more, but we were ill-prepared. Um, in how big the Alhambra was and and just like the timing. So we woke up, we didn't set an alarm, mistake number one, but we'd gotten to that rhythm of waking up late. Uh, but on a day like this, like when you're genuinely doing like an intense activity, we didn't bring snacks. 
we went to a cafe and then like we were rushing to get there on time because our, our reservations were at 1130, I think. But we didn't realize we thought 1130 was just to get into the Alhambra as a whole. But it was to view or it was to tour the palace, which is only one part of the Alhambra. So in order to actually do that, like imagine you went to Disney World and, and you had timed tickets to like ride the Matterhorn. The Matterhorn's not even a Disney. I can't even talk. <laughs> Let's do Splash Mountain. Say you you went to Disney World and you had very timed tickets to go to Splash Mountain. I know, I know that doesn't make sense because you can go to Splash Mountain anytime, but just go with me on this. Imagine you had tickets at 1130 to go into Splash Mountain, but you thought that the 1130 was to enter the park as a whole. That's, that's basically what happened. So we entered the Alhambra at 1130, but even that we were late. And so we were like going slow, exploring. And then by the time we got up to the palace, the lady was like, Hey, what, what time, um, is your ticket? And we were like, what? Oh, what? And then we showed him to them to her. And at this point it's like one. And she's like, Oh, that won't work. You missed it. (laughs) Um, so lesson learned, we, we missed like seeing the inside of the Alhambra, which was the, the most important part of not important, but like, it's like the most sacred, beautiful part of the Alhambra. We didn't see it. So already I'm just like, I'm like, well, we missed out. We're not maximizing our time. Our children are grumpy because we didn't pack snacks. And then we get to this part of the Alhambra that it looks like Italy. In my opinion, it it was like this like circular dome and it is by, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's not, it's purely just for photo sake. Like there was nothing to do there other than just like see it and then like walk out. And so Andrew, he said, he's like, oh, I got, I went in there and I said, oh yeah, this is a nice five minute stop, but Lindsay's taking photos. So like, it's a 30 minute stop. When in my mind, I'm like, this is so beautiful. Like I, if I had a couple in front of me, I could do an entire two hour session because there was harsh light coming in and striking like the stone. And it was, oh, it was just like magical. I shared some photos on my stories and like y'all chef's kiss. Um, So like, I like Eloise is like, posing for me. And she's like getting creative too. And like wanting to take photos of me on my phone. And it was just so cute. And I can tell Andrew's like getting antsy and just like, I, he's trying to balance like the kid's demeanor, their behavior, the fact that they're getting hungry, the fact that they're getting sleepy, the fact that we pack no snacks. And so he's like, you know, thinking of the whole picture, whereas I'm just in create mode. I'm just like, let's go art. And I have my DSLR, I have my film camera and I have my phone. And I'm just like rotating through all three of those. I feel like this is every photographer or just like artsy millennial woman is understanding me right now. Um, but I was just like, oh, I want to like take a film photo that we could like blow up and like frame in our home because we went there and it was like a family memory. I'm just like in my moment. And Andrew's just like, hey, it's been 30 minutes. Like, let's go. And I'm just like, can, can we like, he's like, we need to go. They're getting like, you know, upset or like they're, you know, the kids like need naps. They need food. Like, let's go. And I was just like soul crushed in that moment. Cause like literally the night before he was like, Hey, I'll give you more time to take photos. And so literally as we're like leaving this dome area, we go to the gift shop cause Alice wanted a postcard. And so as she's looking at the postcard, I'm like, Hey, Andrew, like while she's shopping, I'm just going to go back up there. Cause like my phone had died. Cause Eloise was using it. I got like three or four film photos, but I didn't get any DSLR photos. And because the film wasn't instantaneous and I didn't know if I got it, uh, I was like, I'm just going to go up there real fast and grab some um, DSLR shots. And he, <laughs> Andrew literally was like, no, we don't have time. Like we got to go. And like, literally, this is probably because I was pregnant. Like I literally just started like bawling. I'm just like, not okay. I'm just like, this is the one thing I wanted. 
on the whole trip was to create art and you're ruining it. <laughs> and so literally, I mean, I don't say that. I, that's just what's going on in my mind. And so I like run out of the gift shop and like go outside and like sit on a bench and I'm literally, ball- it's like, you know, when you're crying and you literally can't stop it and you know, you look like a psycho and you're embarrassed, but you literally like you're bawling and that's it. Like you, they will not stop. And I'm just sitting there like wiping my tears and like, I'm pissed as hell. Like I am so mad, but I'm all like, again, I'm like third trimester, almost pregnant at this point, And I'm just like feeling my emotions. And it just felt like a, an, a, a personal attack. The, the fact that I asked for this the night before and he's like, yes, I'll give it to you. And then he's like, no, <laughs> it was just, he was trying to balance a lot of other things. And I was just like literally in my creative element. And so I was like, not well. So that like caused a fissure in the entire trip, not really the entire trip, but like he tried to make it up every single time after that of like, we were at a different place and he's like, Hey, would you like, cause like we had a talk after that of like, he understood how like hurt I was by that moment. And we just had a good, healthy conversation. But also every time he like stopped to like, let me take a photo somewhere else. I was like, this isn't the Alhambra. It's not the same. <laughs> like you, you, like we lost the moment. This doesn't look like a beautiful dome from Italy or something. And so it was just, it was funny. But so communication and truly understanding expectations. Even if you don't think you have expectations, you have expectations, just dig down deep and find them. Cause I clearly had expectations of making magical art that I didn't realize until I was affronted with the art and the beauty. And I wanted to have space and time to do that, but you're balancing a lot. And with children, there's, there's a lot going on, but yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Uh, that's pretty much all I have today. I hope that story kind of to end out this episode, uh, was relatable to any, any mom or any, honestly, like Instagram millennial woman, you, you understand anybody that like wants to take beautiful photos in a beautiful place that you're never going to again, or maybe you go, you will go to again, but it's it's like, if you miss it, you miss it. But anyways, I hope this was helpful to anybody that is a mom that wants to travel uh, with their children, or if you want to be a mom in the future and you want to incorporate travel into your family culture, I hope this was helpful as far as just like prepping you and kind of giving you a peek into what we did and how we, how we did this trip. Uh, overall, it was like, it was a fantastic trip and it was so like, I'm just so impressed with our girls stamina and their demeanor um, and how they did everything like genuinely so, so good. Like I was more annoyed and hormonal than they were being pregnant. So (laughs) yeah, that's all I have for you today. But if you enjoyed this episode, please share on your stories and tag me. Let me know if you enjoyed kind of like more of a personal deep dive. Obviously this episode didn't have anything to do with business or marketing or anything like that. But uh, it's really fun when we do these solo, solo shows and kind of deep dive into more personal topics. So let me know if you loved it. And as always, leave us a five-star review if you listen to the show and you love it. And we will see you on the next episode. Bye.